Hello, hello out there. How are you doing? It's your favorite friend, Agent K, and welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect, the podcast. And this is episode 32, and I wanted to start a new series on here called Supervisor Chronicles. And just to talk about how, what, what goes into being a supervisor without going into like crazy detail. I am, you could say a second time supervisor, but first time really in my consciousness of being a supervisor. And I had to do my very, very, very first write up. And I know it's not going to be my last in this role, but it it kind of took me on a whirlwind. I'm not going to use anybody's names. I have um, kind of nicknames for people in my office, in my head. I do a lot of word association and I think of traits or little nicknames that I call people in my head so I know who's who. So um, we're going to talk about the diva today. Now, the diva, I've only been a supervisor for a couple of months. So the diva has basically um, been a thorn in my side since I started. She swears she knows everything. She can tell you how everybody should do their job. But the diva don't do her job. So the diva has some educational pursuits that she's doing. And she's not focusing on her job. So for the last two months, she has been, her productivity, her workflow has diminished. When I started the job, I was told I would, the one person I would never have a problem out of is the diva. The diva has been giving me problems left, right, and indifferent. She talks to people like they're below her including myself. But when it comes to the director, she smiles in the face and it, it kind of, the smile she gives kind of hurts. I, I look at it and I'm just, and I can picture the smile in my head. And you know, for someone who doesn't smile, it hurts their face. She actually was trying to smile as much as she could. And you could tell it was hurting her face to smile, but she doesn't smile at all. In fact, it was the first time I saw her smile and I was like, okay, you are not right in the head, Tabasa. Um, I've had several supervisions with her. When I'm one-on-one with her, you know, she, she doesn't act so diva-ish. She's only done the diva thing to me twice during our supervisions. Um, but she has shown her diva ways to others. To the point where I have another supervisor that I work with and I like doing group supervision with everybody so that everybody gets the same message. She's sitting down there and I said, I would like to schedule group supervision throughout the year together. And she was like, well, I don't think it's a a good fit. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I said, is it my particular unit is one particular person? And she's like, "Mm," and she doesn't want to say it. But I know it's because of the diva. 
And the purpose of me having group supervision with her is that we make sure that everybody gets the same information and that, you know, we're work, we're trying to work as a team. I had, she's going to get back to me whether or not she wants to do group supervision again. She's like, I don't feel, you know, she said, I, I need to talk to my rest of my unit, but the devious ways is getting crazy. There's one day a week that we all have to come into the office. It's usually the one day that I'm in the office and, um, Everybody's supposed to be there from nine to five. I get there a little bit late because I'm coming a little bit farther than everybody else. And I do depend on public transportation. And, um, and, and if you have followed this podcast, you know that I have little issues of anxiety lately when it comes to overcrowded trains. So, um, everybody's supposed to be there from nine to five. Diva strolls in at one or two. When I ask her where she's been all these hours, she goes, oh, I did a visit. We have to write notes on every visit that we do. And her work is not reflecting that she has done this early morning visit. On top of that, the children that she's seeing are all school age. So if you went to the home that early, you're not seeing the kids. But if you're going to the school that early, you're not putting in the notes that you went to the school. So things are not adding up. I've been in talks with my director for the last maybe two months, two and a half months, discussing this issue. And we brought it to the senior program director and we brought it to HR and we're all in the right, we're in the right to write her up. Now, during our supervision three weeks ago, I did tell her because of the things that she's doing, like not submitting a calendar or not getting her work done, it has to be taken up the chain. And I have already spoken to my director. She goes, well, the director didn't talk to me. I said, that's why I'm your supervisor. I'm talking to you. I said, the work is not being done on a timely manner. Now, I work in social work. Outside of helping the families, how social work gets paid is, okay, so let me explain the structure of what social work is like. When you work for an agency, and this is only if you work for an agency, and the agency has a contract with either the city or the state, the contract is outlined that the, the, the governmental agency is going to give you XYZ amount of money over XYZ amount of years to provide a service to the community, right? Part of that service is that you will get this money the contract will say you will get this money per year if you have this up to this amount of cases and make this amount of contacts and you have to have this amount of notes in your system. Okay. 
So that is the contract in very simple terms. Social workers get paid not only for being there to provide the service, but providing the evidence that the service was made or the contact was made. So for every note that you put in, the agency is quote unquote reimbursing this governmental agency by saying that this service was provided because you gave us X, Y, and Z money a year to provide it. That's your proof. Now, because you have this contract, the governmental agency has the right on a specific day to go in and check to see the previous month's contacts. So that's why they have a separate database created that is password protected. And in our case, it's two passwords protected encryption. And it will list all the contacts that were made on a particular case for a particular family and who made them. And what was the, the meat and potatoes of that contact? As a supervisor, I am supposed to take what's being said to me in supervision, as well as what you're putting in the system and make a managerial note every month with my recommendations based on all the information provided of what we should be concentrating on for the next month. That, because all those notes are in there and all those contacts are made, That's how a social worker or a worker in social work gets paid. Excuse me. Now you got all that down. Now, when you don't have that contact, that note in that database by the particular day that the agency provides to give themselves X amount of days before the government or whoever is the contract um, holder, no, provider is telling you that needs to be done, then you are in dereliction or violation of the contract. Now, if you have a caseload of 12 families and have not done any contacts in 30 days that is in the system, whether you have made the phone call, saw the family, didn't see the family, but if you didn't put it in by the end of the month and by the 10th, it's still not in, or if it's late, meaning that you put in the note in the new month to break it down even better. January 1st is coming around. You have between January 1st and January 30th or 31st, depending on your agency, to have all your notes for January in the system. The governmental agency will either check on the 10th or the 5th or even the 12th of the month, whatever day it says in the contract, 
to see if the notes for January is in. If the notes in January for any of your cases is missing or not in, the agency that is contracted will get an alert from the overseeing agency and say, you are in violation of your contract because X, Y, and Z notes are not in. So the diva for the last couple of months have been putting in her notes for the previous month in the new month by the 15th. Now, as a supervisor, my managerial notes have to be in, in my head, no later than the 5th or the 7th of the month, depending on when the 5th and the 7th falls in the month. But I start my managerials on the last day of the month or the first day of the month, depending on the calendar. Now, if you don't have anything in there, I have to take what is in supervision. If you're not telling me anything in supervision, there's no information to supply. Now, if you don't do any of that, that is a major alert. So, because she hasn't done that for two months, the alert not only went to our director, not only the senior program director, it went to the vice president of the agency. The vice president of the agency wants answers. The senior program director wants answers. My director wants answers. I want answers. Diva is not giving no answers. Diva is in a educational program that will take her a year to complete to get whatever degree or certificate that she's getting. Part of that is that she has to do an externship during that year. I can pinpoint when her, according to her workflow output, I can pinpoint in September, early October, when she got this in externship and where her work has fallen off. So as a supervisor, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I need to help this worker to be the best that she can be. We have a supervision and I'm shooting out all sorts of ideas that she could try, anything that she could do. Each one, she has a negative connotation to it and say that she can't do it. I wrote, I, I, it was an hour that I'm sitting there just shooting out ideas outside of going over her work and saying, you can do this, but are you willing to do X, Y, and Z? Are you willing to do A, B, and C? Are you willing to do one, two, and three? And each time is a negative answer and that she can't do it. Obviously, Diva is overwhelmed, but her attitude is making it impossible for anybody to help her. I wrote almost, I wrote up that summary of our interaction, 
send it to my director. My director sent it to her senior director. We discussed it with HR, as previously said, and it was decided that she should go have a write-up and be put on a performance improvement plan. I gave it to my director. My director added stuff. So mine was almost a page. Now, with all the stuff that this young lady has done, I believe my director, because I have not seen the final write-up, added another page and a half to two pages. It's in the hands of the senior program director as we speak. But what I'm saying, I'm, I'm going into detail about this is because I want people to realize that they're, when they're not supervisors, that your attitude, your work output, how you go about the job can get you fired. When you have a job like this that is not critically heavy because I've had jobs in social work that were critically heavy that when you go home you actually taking secondary trauma home and you're in bed crying your eyes out for these people this is one of the more easier quote-unquote jobs in social work She is not taking it seriously. She's only thinking about her educational needs, which I am agreement with her. She should think about that. But the problem is when you decide to take a position like this and you're adding education to it, you can't be fast with your education if you don't have your job mastered. Now, you would think that this young lady have her job master because she's been on the job several years. But obviously she doesn't. This is making me put in a be put in a bad situation because my brain is like, I want to help you. But you're not allowing me to be of help to you. And it makes it difficult for me to try to be a empathetic supervisor if you're not talking to me. And when you don't talk to me and tell me what's going on, I cannot be a supportive person to you. I cannot advocate for you because all my my supervisor is asking me the same questions I'm asking you. And I'm going to be sitting there and be like, I don't know what to say. I don't like looking like boo-boo the clown. I don't think anybody likes looking like Boo Boo the Clown, to tell you the truth. But if you're not being forthward, forthwith, rather, with your supervisor and explaining what you're doing, then you can't be advocated for. I have all except two had great relationships with supervisors. And the only reason the two I didn't have a great relationship was because I never got the feeling that you wanted to support me. I have done 
everything I am supposed to do. I, and, and when I say supposed to do, these are things that I know that as a supervisee, I would have wanted. And I actually got with some supervisors. I wanted an open door policy. I want to be able to feel comfortable to vent. I want to be able to giggle with my supervisor because social work can be a heavy, heavy job. I wanted to be able to have a relationship with my supervisor that will help me grow rather than keep me where I am. There are supervisors who are not like me. There are supervisors who just want you in that same position because you're really good at it and you're bringing money into the agency or into the job, but you want more. So I literally do take my time with everybody. I check in on them, you know, and I make sure that they're okay with everything. Now, if you're going to be one of those people who just say, yeah, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay, okay, then there's a problem because guess what? You're not okay because you're not telling me if there is some kind of directive that you cannot do. Now, Diva did say when she put in for time off that it was impossible for her to do in the directive. But this is also why as a supervisee, if your supervisor is telling you do not put in time unless it's an emergency for the next day if you have not completed your work. And in this case, for the, the couple of times that the diva has put in time, she did not finish her work. Directives are always, if you're going to put in your time, put it in two weeks in advance so that you can be able to finish the work that you need to finish. And I only have to cover the emergencies when you're gone. That's it. That's what I need. That's what I desire. And if you can't do that, then there's an issue. We have an issue. Diva is really not doing any of this. She's not being a team player. She's not working with the unit and all she has various complaints. And when you ask her how you can make things better for her, she doesn't have an answer for you. She don't want to do all the jobs. She just want to do half the job. There's issues with that. There's things that we have to discuss that is not going to be beneficial for her. So the question is now, how am I supposed to support you if you don't want to be supported? That's the problem we have now. And unfortunately, because I have this problem with Diva, the write-up occurred. And now we have a major problem that is coming to the forefront that this write-up may cost her her job. I don't know what my director added in, in specifics, but it's bad. I'm doing this podcast and doing this series just to give you an idea into a supervisor's brain and what you as a supervisee 
need to think about, need to ponder about, need to be able to understand so that you can be able to be better at your job. Where you are not in the same position as Diva, but you are in a position to be better. So my next pod of Into the Brain of a Supervisor, we're going to talk about the importance of supervision and how to get the best out of supervision and how to be comfortable in supervision. As always, I can be reached at on Twitter at IMPPerfectPod. That's IMPPerfectPod. Or you can reach me directly, the host account at K of LDA. You can also follow me on Instagram at the real Keisha. And that's K-A-I-S-H-A. The real K-A-I-S-H-A. Once again, I hope you be blessed, be safe, and be happy. And I will speak to you soon. Bye.